Half Forgotten History is presented by State Farm. Getting great car or home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate? Well, that's just like talking the biggest names in NFL history and hearing their untold stories. It's the real deal. So choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, here on the East Coast and really across the country, McDonald's isn't just a global restaurant. It's a local one as well. Just like how the guests on this show aren't just major Hall of Fame athletes, they're stars and celebrities, but people that work inside each of their communities. McDonald's are owned and operated by people who live in those communities. And when you eat at McDonald's, you're actually supporting American businesses, maybe even your neighbor's business. The McDonald's franchises also care about the communities that they live and work in. They give back by helping first responders and, of course, supporting local Ronald McDonald charity chapters. When you own a McDonald's, you are committed to serving the community where you do business. McDonald's, serving here. Every teammate that I was with and all the coaches that were on that team, we never, ever gave up. We kept our focus and we said, we're going to do this. We're going to do it again. And unfortunately, as we all know, uh, it never worked out, but I'll tell you what, I'm proud to say I'm a Buffalo Bill and I always will be. Hey everybody, Trey Wingo here, and you know I've been doing this for 30 plus years, talking about sports with some of the greatest athletes to ever do it that lived in the biggest games of all time. I know today's guest on Half Forgotten History is going to bring the good stuff, so I brought the good stuff from Maker's Mark so I can have a sip and enjoy the stories as well as the bourbon. Delighted to be joined on this episode of Half Forgotten History with a man who's very familiar to a lot of people, but maybe not for the reasons that you should know him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome in none other than Hall of Fame quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, Jim Kelly. Jim, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Trey. How are you doing? I like your background. Well, you know, they always say, be who you are, Jim. And I, I think that's, I'm trying to live in my moment right now more than anything else. Um, so cheers well, to you. And let's, uh, let's have some fun telling some stories here, my friend. I like it. Okay, so the whole premise of this show, again, is things that people have forgotten over history. And I think a lot of people go, oh, Jim Kelly, yeah, Hall of Fame quarterback, Buffalo Bills, blah, blah, blah. I bet a lot of people have forgotten or didn't even know that you were the first of the long line of great quarterbacks that came to the University of Miami. And you wore a very unusual number there, right? I mean, people, I think, they talk about Testaverde and Kozar and all these other people, but you were the first of those guys to make the University of Miami quarterback you. Yeah, the interesting thing about it was they were not even on my radar. Um, I, from start to finish, thought I was going to Penn State. I mean, I went to Joe Paterno's football camp my junior and senior year, and I thought, Fuck, this is where I'm going. I mean, they came to my basketball games. They heavily recruited me, and unfortunately, I still had a couple uh, visits left to go, and Coach Paterno called and said, I just want to let you know that we've already signed two quarterbacks we want, but we'll give you a full ride but as a linebacker, and I'm like, good God, are you kidding me? And of course, I was bummed out. I called my brother, Pat, my oldest brother, who was drafted by the Baltimore Colts um, as a linebacker at the University of Richmond. And we always looked up to him, and we still do. I mean, he's the oldest. And I said, Pat, um, uh, Coach Paterno called, and he said, do you want me as a quarterback? Because they already signed a couple of guys. But it'll give me a full ride as a linebacker. What should I do? And he said, brother, I have a few words of advice for you. He said, before you board those chartered flights, he said that students never want to know who the linebackers are. They always want to know which one's a quarterback. I go, bro, that's all I need to hear. Thanks for your advice. Click. I went to the University of Miami and became a quarterback. 
Yeah, but you know what? I think what we really need to understand is you would have been one hell of a linebacker. That's right. Maybe God may have made it, had too many concussions, and thank God that they don't uh, do back then what they do now with the protocols. Right. Or I definitely wouldn't have made uh, 11 years in the NFL and two in the USFL. <laughs> so you go to Miami, you become the first really star quarterback there, but you guys didn't throw the ball a lot. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, people see the game now. You guys were not a, a pass-happy offense when you were at Miami. No, we weren't. I remember going there and thinking, you know, Luke Saban recruited me, not thinking, okay, we're going to throw the football. Well, unfortunately, they start running the Veer offense. And for people out there that are New York fans, especially uh, a guy by the name of Otis Anderson, who became the Super Bowl 25 MVP, he was my running back. Yep. And he used to yell at me for not getting the ball out too quick enough. I go, I didn't come here to be an option quarterback. I came here to throw the ball. So long story short, I was looking to transfer to the University of Tennessee. And again, my oldest brother, Pat, said, uh, Jim, he said, I heard that Lou Sabe was thinking about leaving. Let's wait and find out who comes in. And sure enough, uh, uh, Howard Schnellenberger came in. And with him was Earl Moore. And uh, now I'm going to fast forward. Now I'm going to back up. And uh, we're three wins, five losses, somewhere around there. We're traveling to Penn State. To take on the Penn State Nittany Lions, the, the team that recruited me to play linebacker. Something to back up, and we're a pregame meal, and I did a tap on my shoulder, and I turned around, and Trey, I'm sure you've met Howard Schnellenberg before, but he's like a drill Oh, fire. yeah. Son, come with me. I need to speak with you. And I'm like, oh, boy, what did I do wrong? So I'm walking with him trying to think of what the heck I did wrong. He said, uh, I decided that you deserve an opportunity. You're starting today. Get ready. And I go, what? Wow. He goes, you deserve it. Get ready. First thing I did was I excused myself into the bathroom and I started throwing up. And he heard me. And I come on, he said, son, you all right? I go, I'm fine, coach. I said, I did that during high school too. He said, okay then. He said, let's get ready. And then we went, went on to uh, that day, we upset Penn State. We beat them 26 to 10. My first four starts as a freshman quarterback at the University of Miami was against Penn State, Alabama, Notre Dame in Florida. And I went to a little small town with 800 in my hometown. Uh, I think there were 65 in my graduating class, 28 on my football team, no traffic lights. And that was the first four uh, starts I had as a college quarterback. So welcome to big time NCAA football. We call that an early baptism. And I want to go back to the puking story because why not? All puking stories are in their own right very, very interesting. But that became a tradition for you, right? It started in high school, continued to college, and when you finally got to the NFL and the Bills, the offensive lineman for Buffalo would not let you out of the locker room until they'd seen you puke. Well, it wasn't so much seeing me puke. They heard me. I was very loud. <laughs> and the thing is, it wasn't because, um, you know, I was scared. It was just my nerves. I was always so amped up. And I'm, I was like a linebacker. I was always so excited. I couldn't wait to hit the field, go out there. I was always pumped up. And that just made me feel better. And there were games, don't, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, there were games where I didn't feel like doing it, but my offensive line said, I don't care if you don't have, you don't have to do it. Like, go back to we sleep one and hear you. So I would go back and put my finger down the throat and all that just to get them happy, and then we'd take the field, and I'd walk down my lineman and play ball. And that is an important clarification because it's better for them to hear you than see you. So I'm glad you brought exactly. that up. That, that makes for a better experience all the way around. 
Okay, so now, then you get drafted part of the infamous class of 83, six quarterbacks taken in the first round. You were taken 14th overall by the Bills, but you said, you know what? I'm good. And you turn down Buffalo and go spend the first two years of your career in the USFL playing with the Houston Gamblers. And that's the point under Mouse Davis, who was running a run-and-shoot offense, who was, what was he? He was the head coach or the offensive coordinator? He was the offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator. And, and, and that's the guy that really taught you how to throw the football, right? Yeah, he, he, you know what he really did more than anything um, is uh, not only taught me the game of football in more detail, but learn how to throw on the run. I had to work on my legs more than anything, my, foot, my footwork, um, roll to the left, roll to the right, and doing things like that. So he helped more of my athleticism, even though I wasn't a great athlete. I mean, I played basketball and did all that and had fun and broke records, but the thing is, I needed to get better with my legs. I needed to be quicker on my feet. And uh, Moss Davis definitely did that for me. We threw the ball, what, 40, 50 times a game, and I had a blast. Yeah, you absolutely did. And you were part of arguably the greatest game that no one ever knows about in the history of football. And that was a shootout at the L.A. Coliseum between your Houston Gamblers of the USFL and the L.A. Express of the USFL. Side note, their quarterback was also a Hall of Famer, Steve Young, who was my high school quarterback, by the way. And wow. by, let, let me clarify. We went to the same building, but we went to different schools, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. He, he, he was Mr. Everything, and I was just this schlep trying to make it through high school. So we had different high school experiences. But that was supposed to be a nationally televised game on ABC, but instead they pulled the plug because Doug Flutie was the hot hand at that point, and they televised that game. So the only video of that game that exists is coaches' tape, and you guys, I think, got up 13 to nothing. And then the LA Express stormed back to go up 34 to 13 with about 10 minutes to play. And you threw for 574 yards in that game. And you guys came back and won 34 to 33. What was that experience like? Because I think there were only like 15,000 people in the Coliseum with seats over 90 grand. I think it was like, not, I don't even think there was 10. What they said was the greatest game that no one saw. <laughs> that is but correct. Yeah, it's like playing. People ask me about this COVID and the pandemic. I go, I remember we played the LA Express in the USFL in front of like 9,000 people in over 100,000 seat stadium. So it was like playing in that, but uh, it, it was, it was a blast. And then of course, you know, if you fast forward from the Steve Young, the, the no punt game was against Steve Young also. Now it's a back and forth battle also, but the USFL days, Trey, I loved them. Um, I had a bunch of little receivers, Richard Johnson, Ricky Sanders, the Ice Cube, Gerald McNeil. and From Baylor uh, University. I, I had a blast. I mean, like I said back then, I was drafted by Buffalo. I went to the University of Miami to Florida to get out of cold weather. I was drafted by Buffalo. I didn't want to go there, so I went to the Dome. No wind, no rain, and I thought, you know what? They're paying me more money than Buffalo did. So, I mean, this seems to be – a league that's on the up and ready to come. I mean, they, dropped, they had like, what, three Hall of Famers in a row, Herschel Walk and Doug Flutie and Reggie White, one of the greatest uh, defensive ends ever played a game and, and many more. I had confidence in the league, but unfortunately we tried to go a battle against the NFL and, uh, and we folded. But to be honest with you, one of the best decisions I ever made in my life was becoming a Buffalo Bill. I love Buffalo. I love the family atmosphere. I love the fans. And, of course, I met my beautiful wife here. All right. So now 
Before we get into the NFL years, let's take a little break here. Time to refill our glasses here because there are a couple of things that we need to know and everybody needs to know about the Jim Kelly Buffalo Bills experience. We'll get to that right after this. Here at Half Forgotten History, our surprisingly great conversations are brought to you by State Farm. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs. Like our Hall of Fame guests choosing the perfect never-before-told story to share with our listeners. Look, you need a team that supports you and gets you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, continuing our conversation with Hall of Famer Jim Kelly. I uh, hope your glass is refreshed and filled to the brim, and let's uh, let's have a toast to what I consider to be, Jim, the greatest accomplishment in the history of the NFL that nobody talks about. But before I do that, I have to tell you, the first time I ever met you in person was at Super Bowl Forty in Detroit uh, between the Steelers uh, and, uh, and the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and... I was walking. Shockingly, I was in a bar and you and Trent Dilfer walk in. And I remember this because we've been doing NFL Live for four years at that point. And we all thought the show was going pretty well. But you and Dilfer came in and the two of you said, man, we love watching NFL Live. We love listening to you guys chop it up every day. That was the moment for me where I was like, damn, people actually are watching this stuff and it may be working. So thank you for that, Jim. I wanted you gave me the seal of approval that the shit was working. I liked it. So that was sort of the line where good, things are going. But, you know, we're in this era now where it's so hard for a team to get to the playoffs two years in a row. It's so hard for a team to even think about the idea of getting to back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls with a chance to win one, maybe two. Because everything is about winning these days and everything is about the bottom line, who won. Oh, nobody remembers who lost the Super Bowl. Well, I do, but... I may be a statistical geek and an outlier along those lines. The Buffalo Bills went to four straight Super Bowls and they lost every single one. And I don't know if there is a a harder thing to do in the NFL than to go, lose, come back, lose worse, go back, lose even worse, and still have the mental fortitude to get there four straight years. Tell me about what it was about that team with Marv Levy and all those Hall of Famers that were with you that gave you guys the mental strength to keep just fighting uphill. Well, without Don, number one was our head coach, Marv Levy. Always had the right things to say at the right time. Um, I know we didn't win any of them, but you know, the bottom line is the attitude that we had, the leadership that we had on our team, not just, you know, with me being the quarterback and being the leader of the offense, but having guys like Daryl Talley. Um, Bruce Smith, Thurman, Andre, and the guys that we have, Ken Hall, probably one of our biggest leaders, God rest his soul. Um, you know what the bottom line was? You know, after we lost that first one, we knew we were a good football team, but we also knew that, you know, we have to work a little harder in the offseason. So we did, and we wind up coming back. And then I think after we lost that second one, I think the chip that we had on our shoulder was nobody wanted us back, and we just wanted to tick everybody off of Tell the way is we wanted to piss everybody off and go back again. And we did that four in a row. And I think the biggest thing that I, I wasn't sure of was after losing a couple of them, I knew physically that all my teammates would be working out, working their tail off because 
You know what? Those paychecks were very good back in the day. And, but you never They're even know. better now. Oh, my goodness. I don't even <laughs> want to go with this whole point. Hey, you got that right. That's why I'm still working. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, Trey, as you probably know, too, is the mental approach. Um, yeah. When you hear all the time, oh, the Buffalo Bills and, you know, the offseason, all the negativity that you hear, um, I think it, it does even more pumped up to go back again. And I wasn't sure how some of my teammates would handle it. I had an idea, but you never know. And as I said before, officially I knew they were going to be ready, but mentally we weren't sure. It didn't take me very long to recognize that in training camp that these guys wanted to get back again. And we did it. But again, it was the leadership of Mark Levy and all of us pulled together. And uh, I'll tell you what, we're so close today. I don't think we would be as close today if we would have won a couple of those. The camaraderie we had in that locker room and more importantly, probably away from the locker room was so important why we were so successful. Yeah, one of the things that always stuck with me was after Super Bowl twenty-eight. You know, it was old at the Atlanta Georgia Dome, mm-hmm. uh, and we were downstairs in the bowels of the stadium, and people were doing their post-game interviews. And I'll, I'll never forget this as long as I live, Jim. Daryl Talley was at the podium, and the reporter asked a very specific question: "What is it like to come to four straight Super Bowls and lose all four in a row?" And Talley paused for a minute, and he looked into the camera and said, "Well." It's a bitch if you really must know. I mean, like, how much did it did it sting your guys' pride that you went four straight times and you just couldn't find a way to get over the hump? Oh, it still hurts. Um, you know what? When I watch, um, you know, when it's come close to Super Bowl days, you know how they replay all the Super Bowls back and they have, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes of each Super Bowl. When it comes to Super Bowl 25 and on, I don't even watch them. I have yet to watch that game, any of those Super Bowls ever. I thought maybe one day I would watch with my son, but as you may or may not know, Hunter, my son, is yeah. in heaven now. Um, and I never got that chance, and I never have went back and watched it again. And I'm very good at when negative things enter my mind, I automatically very good at pushing them aside and changing my, my thought process, process into something positive. And, not, not only during, you know, throwing intercepts, and that's, I think, one of the things that I was able to get over, I throwing a pick and coming back and rallying the team behind it. But with my life in general, uh, yeah, you, you think about it, you learn from it, you move on. And I've been very good at uh, being able to move, move forward and not, you know, um, sit there and dread, you know, having to think about those losses, think about the loss of my son, think about my battle three times with cancer. I move on and try to make whoever's around me a better person by learning from what I went through. So all part of life. You've been through a lot. And I'm just trying to figure out if if there was one moment, because people always look at wide right. And I get that it was a 47-yard kick. There's a lot of pressure on that. I I, I get that. In that first Super Bowl, I remember when Bruce Smith had Jeff Hossettler dead to rights and how he didn't fumble that ball. Uh, You know, or uh, the, the Super Bowl 28. Uh, start the second half, and you know you guys are up thirteen to six, and then Thurman puts it on the ground, and they run it back for a touchdown for the Dallas Cowboys. James Washington does. It was there one moment, or in Super Bowl twenty-seven, when you got hurt uh, and had to leave the field in that game. Was there one moment in all of those Super Bowls that stung more than any of the others? Um, boy, I knew how good we were um, during Super Bowl twenty-six. We faced the Washington Redskins, but unfortunately. 
we were hitting them at their peak. I mean, they were they were rocking and rolling, and um, we just went into that game thinking we were going to have to play a, a perfect game. And unfortunately, we didn't. I mean, we had a very good year that year all before. What probably made me more mad than anything, a lot of those teams we played during the regular season, we beat them, and then all of a sudden we played them during the real uh, Super Bowl. And unfortunately, the NFC East always had a dagger in our back, and they made it go through it. No, you know what? Soup, yes. When I was a little kid, when I grew up in Pennsylvania watching the Steelers and watching them win the Super Bowl, I was one of those little kids that would lead my team down the field when I was 10, 11 years old and two minutes ago in the Super Bowl and all that. Well, that happened to me in Super Bowl 25. There was two minutes ago in the Super Bowl, and I'm leading my team down the field to win the Super Bowl. And as we all well know, the, you know, let them down there and kick went wide right and we lost. But, you know what? I am so proud to say I play for the Buffalo Bills. And I'm so proud to know that every teammate that I was with and all the coaches that were on that team, we never, ever gave up. And we kept our focus. And we said, we're going to do this. We're going to do it again. And unfortunately, as we all know, uh, it never worked out. But I'll tell you what, I'm proud to say I'm a Buffalo Bill, and I always will be. So, so what does it mean now for you guys that have been through the heartache and been through the highs and, and those devastating lows and seeing the Bills just sort of be stuck in a rut for about 20 years to see a team that has a young, energetic, running quarterback who can use his legs like Jim Kelly learned to use his legs. It feels like they're on the precipice. What would it mean for the Bills of the Super Bowls 25, 26, 27, and 28 to see this generation of Buffalo Bill at one point, maybe hoist that Lombardi trophy. I would love to see it. I mean, this year, you know, you look at the, it's in Tampa again, and we can relive those days. Super Bowl 25. Rewind the tape, and, um, but we got to get better. I mean, I think we have a very good football team, but I think uh, we got to step it up. Um, one of the things that I want to see, I want to see a game, a playoff game, played right here in Buffalo, New York, in our backyard. I only know the last time we played one at the ref, or what I call it now, here in Buffalo. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and again, it, it might be a weird scenario because we don't know how many people could be in the stands for that situation. Yeah. And that sort of changed everything as we go through this NFL season. And I know you guys have got some things coming up for your foundation in December that you're trying to do whatever you can in this pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic, uh, I, well, we're not the only one. I mean, we're, I'm used to in my foundation, Kelly for Kids and Hunter's Hope. Um, being able to hand out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to less fortunate right here in Buffalo. And unfortunately, as you all well know, we could not have our golf classic that we have each and every year. And we give out all this money and we get to hear what the money goes to the girls and boys club of Western New York. I can go on and on all the places we help. And uh, unfortunately, uh, that did not happen. So we've got to try to figure out something we got to do. Bottom line, you're going to be raising money for a great cause, and that's Kelly for Kids Foundation in Hunter Soap, named after my son. Absolutely. Well, Jim, for that reason and your incredible career and the great stories we shared today, uh, a toast to you, my friend. Thanks for spending part of your day with us, and as always, great to talk to you, man. Trey, it's always been my pleasure. I used to like your show. I always did. You know what you're talking about. You love guys that talk about football that know what you're talking about. Great job. <laughs> love you, Ben. We'll definitely have a, a cocktail down the road together. You got it, partner, as soon as we can. God bless you. 
That'll do it for this episode of Half Forgotten History. Our thanks to Hall of Famer Jim Kelly for letting us inside and telling us some of the great stories and reliving some of those painful memories. And on his behalf, we're sending a check in Jim's name to Ronald McDonald House. And thanks to Maker's Mark. Remember to pour yourself into everything you do and reach for a bourbon that's made with a personal touch. In fact, why don't you pour yourself a glass of Maker's Mark right now and raise a glass to the incredible athletes and these stories they're sharing with us and giving us the insights as they live them in real time. And remember, Maker's Mark crafts their bourbon carefully. All they ask is that you enjoy it the same way. Coming up on the next edition, we'll talk to a cornerback who was a Super Bowl champ and wasn't afraid to snatch a chain or two if he needed it. Of course, I'm talking about cornerback Akib Tlaib. <laughs>